0: This is episode 460 of the Leaving Laodicea broadcast, and my name is Steve McCraney. In John 15, we have the Lord's blueprint for the abundant life or the higher Christian life He promised to each of us. And know that life doesn't involve expensive cars or vacation homes or buckets of cash or having your best life now. The abundant life in Him is defined by being able to bear His fruit and bearing it in ever increasing quantities. Or, like Jesus said, more fruit then much fruit and finally fruit that will remain consider these few statements from our lord every branch in me that does not bear fruit he takes away and every branch that bears fruit he prunes that it may bear more fruit john 15:2 by this my father is glorified that you bear much fruit so you will be my disciples john 15:8 You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you that you should go and bear fruit and that your fruit should remain that whatever you ask in my father's name, he may give you. John fifteen sixteen, Unless the church fully understands the importance of bearing the fruit of Christ, the vine, this incredible teaching of Jesus will have little meaning or lasting effects on our lives, and we surely don't want that to happen. So join us as we discover the joy of abiding in Him in order to bear His fruit as we leave Laodicea behind. Hey, before we begin, uh, I don't know if you guys have been listening to the last couple sermons on John 15. I really have no way of knowing that. I don't know how your spiritual life has been going the last two months, it seems like, since we've been under this quarantine kind of thing. I would like at the end of our worship service to give you an opportunity to share some of the things maybe the Lord has taught you during this time, but let me just bring you up to date on what's going on. We are, um, we are entering into a brave new world. It's, uh, it's something I always knew was coming, but I just didn't think it would happen this quickly. Um, everything, everything about our existence in this nation is going to change. You know, we, we locked this down because of some sort of a virus that um, had this dire prognosis, and because our society was locked down, and a certain essential businesses were left open. and Some of those were truly essential. Some of the essential designations may have been political. It's been kind of strange, has it not? We have been taught that what we have to do is, is quit fellowshipping, quit uh, hugging people, quit shaking hands with people because we may catch this dreaded disease. And I'm not making light of the disease at all. Uh, <clears> the <throat> last thing I looked last night, is like 1.6, almost 1.7 million people have been confirmed in the United States that had that disease. The death toll attributed to that. And then there's all sorts of speculation about whether that's accurate or not is rapidly approaching 100,000 people. To me, the the number 50,000 is kind of significant because of my generation because it was 50,000 people that perished during the Vietnam War. And so these are big numbers here. And if you look at just the stats for North Carolina, since we've opened up a little bit, North Carolina had its biggest day ever yesterday in uh, confirmed cases of the coronavirus. And the active, the active people with active coronavirus in Gaston County doubled over the last two days. So it's here. It's going to be rough that... Uh, they're talking about a spike in the fall. They're talking about some sort of vaccine. And then there's all the controversy about that. They're talking about another spike in 2001. And from what I've been reading, and I read a lot about this stuff, what I've been reading is they don't think this thing's going to go away until the summer of 2021. And then there's probably going something else down the pike. I mean, the reality is everything going on is really just the beginning of birth pains. I mean, we know Christ is coming and we know it's just the beginning of birth pains, but our life has changed. We go to Walmart and we have to stand six feet away from people. We wear masks or we don't wear masks. You go on the internet and you find that you know, half the people say it's bunk and the other half people say it's a dire deal here and we're going to violate civil authorities because the civil authorities, of course, are wrong in what they're doing and then we're teaching our kids to rebel. I mean, it is. It's crazy. It's absolutely crazy. So are you going to get the coronavirus? Probably, life has changed. There's um, probably hundreds of thousands of small businesses that will never open back up again. Think of all the mom and pop restaurants and the mom and pop shops that were just barely making it, and all of a sudden they're shut down now. Take a small restaurant, a sub shop. They're they're shut down now for two and a half months. And of course, if it's possible, you can get some sort of payroll loan to keep your employees working in a shop that's shut down, and then. You know, when it opens back up, there's going to be less people interested in eating your subs because I kind of like takeout now. And and you know, a lot of these shops were barely making it. So okay, we're going to open up phase two and phase three in some states, phase four and phase five, which will allow you to open up, but you can only seat in some states 50% of the people, other states less than that. Well, we can't even make it with 90% of the of our, our booths filled. How are we going to do that? Massive bankruptcies are going to take place. It's it's a different world. So what does that mean for us? Number one, we don't live in fear. I mean, because none of this surprises the Lord. True? And one of the things it should have taught us is the fact that we don't know everything, and we can't plan for anything, and God knows exactly what He's doing, and more than anything, we have to learn to be, as we've talked about for six or eight months now, a faith prepper. We need to prepare our faith for difficult times. Now, that's not to depress you. What's that to do is to somehow get our focus on the things that really matter, and that is our relationship with the Lord Jesus Christ and having the kind of faith to persevere during difficult times. Paul and Silas are thrown in prison they're flogged, it's midnight, they're sitting in excrement, it's, it's horrific in the prison, they're chained in there, and yet they were singing praise songs to the Lord because they weren't focusing on their circumstances and how unfair they are. Instead, they were focusing on who they belong to. And their faith soared. Do you remember? Soared. Same thing for us. So about three weeks ago, I was asking the Lord, What do we need to do? What do we need to focus on? What's the the teaching that we need to just drive deep in to encourage each of us in our spiritual lives? And he clearly spoke to me about John 15. So the last two Sundays, we've talked about John 15. I hope you've been following those. But if not, John 15 is this incredible picture of this relationship that between a vine and a branch, and a vine and the vine dresser, and the whole purpose of the vine is to produce fruit for the glory of the vine dresser. And as I shared two weeks ago, the Lord could have chosen any example He wanted to. He could have employed the example of sheep and a shepherd, which He did in John 10, or an orange tree and an orange, which He didn't, or a cowboy and cattle, which He didn't. Instead, He chose this, this clear example of his relationship with God the Father and the Lord's relationship with us and what our purpose is in life and what Christ's purpose is in life and how it all melds together. But most important in that, it talks about how we can go about having the kind of faith to persevere during difficult times, to literally thrive during difficult times. Let me just read John 15, 1 through 8. The, the text goes on to verse 16, but we're just going to look at verse one through eight for the next couple of weeks. Here's what it says, "I am the vine." First thing the Lord does is he begins defining the characters in this. "I am the vine, and my father is the vine dresser. actually he says, "I am the true vine." Verse five, "I am the vine. My father is the vine dresser. Every branch. Now we have a vine, a vine dresser, and now a branch. Every branch in me that doesn't bear fruit. Now we have a vine, a vine dresser, a branch, and fruit. These are the four elements of this. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he, the vine dresser, God the Father, takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he, the vine dresser, the Father, prunes. Why? That it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. We talked last week about this passage. Abide in me is the key. Abide in me and I, implied abide in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Categorical statement here. Unless you abide in me. Says it again now. I am the vine and you are the branches. Vine dressers is kind of gone. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. For without me, you can do nothing. Well, what happens if we don't abide? And what happens if we don't bear much fruit? If anyone does not abide in me, that's your choice, by the way. It's our only function. He is cast out as a branch and is withered, and they gather them and throw them into the fire, and they are burned. But if you abide in me, and my words abide in you, you will ask what you desire, and it shall be done for you. Why? For by this my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit, so you will be my disciples. I can't tell you how much truth there is in this passage. And if you guys can get a handle on it spiritually, of, of a road map to show you exactly what you're supposed to do in your life and how to go about living that abundant life or the kind of life that we've heard stories about, great missionaries and Billy Graham and the Apostle Paul and all these people that we can never measure up to because they're like totally committed to Christ and we're like partially committed to Christ and we feel guilty many times because we have these besetting sins that we can't get victory over or we're too entangled with the world and so we just quit trying. Everything that made them what they are is found in this passage. And everything that they are and became, we can become if we hold on to the one verse we're going to be looking at, or the one word we're going to be looking at probably for the next two Sundays, is that word abide. Set the scene here. The true vine is Christ. That means that Christ is, if you've seen a grapevine, he's everything. He is the roots, he is the stalk, he is the branches, he is the fruit, he is the foliage. He's absolutely everything. We happen to be part of Christ. And being part of Christ, he allows us to be a segment that performs a specific function of him, the vine. God the Father is the vine dresser. God the Father plants the vine. God the Father chooses where the vine is going to be planted. He protects the vine. He he caters to the vine. He prunes the vine. He feeds the vine. He puts a wall around the vine to keep people from, from destroying it. He harvests the fruit of the vine, and the fruit of the vine is his. Not the vines, definitely not the branches. We, of course, individually are a branch. Collectively, we are the branches. We have one function and one function only. We do not produce the fruit. We do not take the nutrients out of the ground to satisfy our own needs. We simply bear the fruit that the vine produces. The more fruit we bear, the more of a precious branch we are. And we find in the teaching, if we refuse to bear fruit, the Father will take us away and we become worthless. Or if we refuse to abide in the vine and break ourselves off from the vine, we get no nutrients, we get no sap coming in, we get nothing that produces fruit, and in a vine situation, we become worthless. Because the wood of a vine is good for nothing other than just bearing grapes. It's too soft to make furniture out of. It's, it's worth nothing. Christ is the vine. The Father is the vine dresser. We are the branches. But the key to this entire teaching is bearing fruit. It doesn't say that I want the vine to grow really nice so I can rest under its shade, or I just want to have a pretty vineyard out there that produces nothing. If the vine doesn't produce fruit or the branches don't bear the fruit the vine produces, it's worth nothing to the Father because that's why he planted it. He planted a vine for a harvest. If you have a garden, you did not plant corn, so you can have just a bunch of green stalks and go by and look at all the the green stuff. True? If there's no harvest, what's the point? I put all this work, I planted corn because I want corn. I planted beans because I want beans. I planted a vineyard because I want fruit. Everything rests on fruit. Matter of fact, in this passage, he talks about fruit, then he talks about more fruit, Then he talks about much fruit. And then he talks about fruit that's not transitory, but fruit that will remain. And then the key is, and this is what I'm hoping we can truly understand, is the key to producing that fruit is not hard work. It's not struggling. It's not striving. It's not doing things in and of yourself, hoping that God will be pleased with you. It's resting and abiding in Him and letting the vine do all the work and allow us the privilege of just bearing it. And it's all tied up in one word. And that word is abide. Abide. Now note what happens here. I want you to see how important the fruit is. Now listen, most of us do not live the kind of spiritual lives that we want. I have used this metric for 30 years because of being a former accountant, numbers speak to me. And I've shared it with you. And if I did it again here today, I would ask you to look at your own spiritual life and think about the time that you were closest to the Lord than you've ever been. Whether it's today or a year ago or 10 years ago or the day after you got saved, it doesn't matter whatever time that you were closest to him or using this imagery, the time that you were bearing the most fruit, that your branches were so full that they were bending down to the ground and you couldn't wait for the Father to come and harvest that fruit, that would be a 10 for you. Not a 10 for me, but a 10 for you. And then you look at your life now. Are you bearing as much fruit? Are you still a 10 Or you're a nine or an eight or a seven. You're bearing some fruit, but not as much as you were. And for most Christians, they always have these times in the past when they were super close to the Lord, bearing an immense amount of fruit. And I'm not there now, which means we have lost our understanding of the importance of the fruit. Yeah, I, I, I remember one time that I bared so much fruit, but now I'm only bearing a third of that. I'm a four or a five or an eight on a scale of one to ten, being ten the closest I've ever been to the Lord, and I'm content with that because that's all the fruit I want to bear. It's just as much as I'm going to abide. I mean, I've got other interests and other things that I want to do. And, you know, my life is really busy right now. And and I have other things that have supplanted my desire to to bear his fruit. But from from the vine dresser's perspective, the only reason why you exist and I exist as a branch is to bear his fruit. Look what he says about it. Abide in me and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself, and we can't, unless it abides in the vine, neither can you bear fruit unless you abide in me. That's verse 4. Verse 5, he talks more about fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him bears now much fruit. We've gone beyond just fruit, now to much fruit. How do we bear much fruit? We need to understand it. without Christ we can do nothing. Verse 8, by this my father is glorified. What? Uh, How are you glorified? That you bear much fruit and prove categorically that you're my disciple. Because my disciple is determined by the fruit they bear. A branch in a vine tree is known to be a branch in a vine tree because of the fruit it bears from the vine. Verse 16, You did not choose me, but I chose you and appointed you to do what? To have a good life, to build a big house, to make a lot of money. No, to go and bear fruit. Well, what kind of fruit? Fruit that will remain, fruit that will last, fruit that is important and has substance. That whatever you ask the Father in my name, he may give you. Much fruit, more fruit, permanent fruit. It's all about the fruit. We think then it's all about us. Well, God's really concerned about my life. And so he's concerned about where I work and who I marry and how, how I feel and what I do and what I don't do and how I raise my kids. And all that is true. But it all falls under this huge umbrella. And the huge umbrella is, I only care about these things because it makes you bear fruit. If if it bears no fruit, we end up walking out from under his umbrella, umbrella of protection because fruit bearing is all we were created for. God planted the vine, his son, his son, of course, grows and his son has these branches and we are allowed to be in christ connected to christ and he through our relationship with him being in christ gives us the holy spirit that produces spiritual fruit in our life and the goal is to produce so much fruit that the vine is praised by the vine dresser and the vine dresser is glorified by our fruit well i don't want to bear fruit I'll just bear a couple grapes over here, but I'm going to spend the rest of my time making money and, you know, getting involved in politics or or whatever I want to do. And from this perspective, the vine dresser goes by and goes, you know what? It's not worth the sap. Going into this vine that's not producing fruit, I will take that branch away because it's worthless, and I'll prune that branch and cut away everything that doesn't produce fruit so that those branches who do produce fruit will produce more. It's the same parable when Jesus gave out the talents to his servants. Do you remember? How do we bear fruit? And here's the great part. This is the part that the guilt is gone. It's not like, well, I'm not doing enough. This isn't about doing. Well, I'm not, uh, I'm not, I'm not praying enough. I'm not reading my Bible enough. I'm not witnessing enough. I, 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 I should have gone on the mission field as a missionary when I was 18, but instead I decided to do something. It's not about that. It's not about that. It's not about your past. It's not about how hard you work. It's not about being on some sort of spiritual treadmill trying to make God happy by your actions. None of that is in here. We live that way, but it's not about that at all. It's about resting and abiding and letting Him do the work. How do we go about doing this? Truly simple abide in me. An implied two way relationship. I'm connected to the vine, and the vine now is holding on to me also, and the vine now is nurturing me and giving me everything I can to be able to grow strong and to have leaves and to produce fruit. So abide in me, and implied, and I will abide in you, whatever that word means. And he gives a practical example everybody would agree with. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine... Well, that's true. I'm not going to take a, a branch and snap it off a vine and throw it on the ground and expect to come by tomorrow and find it full of f- grapes. It doesn't work that way because it's getting, it doesn't produce grapes on its own. It gets no nutrients for that. So understanding that, he says, neither can you, implied bear fruit, unless you rest in me. You cannot bear fruit until you stay connected to Christ. And he only created us to bear fruit and prove to be his disciples. He says it again. I am the vine, you are the branches. Make sure we have the relationship right. Christ is the vine, you and I are part of the vine, but we're part of the vine that only has one specific function. We're not the part of the vine that gets nutrients out of the ground, that's the roots. We're not part of the vine that holds the other branches in place, no, that's the stalk. We're not the part of the vine that... That does other fun. We're the part of the vine that does one thing, and that's simply bear fruit. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I abide in him bears much fruit. Not just regular fruit, but much fruit. For without me you can do nothing. And listen, this passage will only mean something to you if you have a desire to bear much fruit. If you are content with the fruit that you're bearing now. Whatever that is, I'm content with being a 7 on a scale from 1 to 10. I used to bear a lot of fruit. I don't bear much fruit now because I'm hanging around different people or I'm craving the accolades of the world or because my own problems have overwhelmed me or whatever. If I'm content to be a 7, you know, I'll vacillate between a 7 and a 6. Maybe I'll be an 8. Maybe I'll be a 4 or 5 or something. If that's what your spiritual life is like, and that's the spiritual life of most people, this will mean nothing to you. I mean, okay, I'm kind of content where I am. Until you understand the Father's attitude about that. What He does is He prunes. What He does is He cleans. What He does is He does everything He can to help us and desire for us to produce much fruit, more fruit, a tremendous amount of fruit, and not just fruit that is here today and gone tomorrow, but fruit that will remain. It'll have an impact on your kids and your grandkids and your great-grandkids as they look back at how you persevered during tough times. That has to be the first thing God has to get hold of you and make you realize the importance of fruit. So here's the million-dollar question. What does it mean to abide? What does it mean to rest in him? What's my job, my only job? I mean, really, my only job. If you'll study the scriptures, you'll find that the Lord over and over and over again tells us, and this flies in the face of our entrepreneurial 20th century, mind too, it just bugs me, 20th century, 21st century kind of way of viewing things, because I feel I need to do and ask God to bless what I'm doing. But the true relationship that a father has with his son or that a slave has with his master, his says, or a branch has to the vine, is we aren't to do at all. We're to rest in him and let him do through us. Because if he does through us, he gets the glory. If I do through me, I get the glory, even though I ask God to bless what I'm doing. Know what I mean? I know, but sometimes when I pray and I ask God to do something, He takes longer than I want Him to do. And so what do I do? I say... You know, the Lord, uh, you promised to take care of my needs. You promised to be my provision. You promised to to always provide for me. I've been fasting for 40 days in the wilderness, and I'm being tempted by Satan, and I am hungry. And because you haven't given me what I want, when I think I need it, Satan comes comes up and says, then meet your own needs. Then provide for yourself. Say a blessing before you do it, but command that these stones turn into bread. Why should you wait on God When you have a need and he hasn't met it, and so therefore do it yourself. And that was a whole temptation, the first one. What does the word abide mean? Really simple. This is the small definition. Abide means to remain, to dwell, to live. Okay? But it's much deeper than that. And once you understand all the branches of this word abide, you can see what it means for you and I to actually abide in him. In John's writing, if you remember, John took the word like logos, the word word, and he changed the meaning to be an emblem of Christ. In the beginning was the word. Do you remember? Added something to it that gave it a a different application. He does the same thing with the word abide. In John's writings, it deals more with the relationship of, of one thing or one person with another. In other words, you have the phrase, remain in or with someone. In other words, there's a, there's a context here to abiding. It doesn't mean just to remain, dwell, and live, but it's to remain, dwell, and live in a relationship with someone or something. And if you go a little further and you look exactly how John is using this in John 15, you need to get this. It means to be and remain united with Jesus, with one heart, one mind, and one will, and to remain steadfast and unwavering in that relationship, just like a branch is to a vine. I'm not just an independent contractor that I'm holding onto the vine as long as I want to, and then I'm going to let go. When that Fusion takes place. The vine and the branch actually meld together as one and the the nutrients and the sap and everything necessary to bear fruit flows from from the vine into the branch. It's a total relationship. In other words, the same nature that the vine is is the same nature as the branch. They're the same thing. One just has a different function than the other. To be and remain united with Jesus, with, one, with him in heart, mind, and will. And to remain connected to the vine, to remain steadfast, unwavering, no matter how I feel in that relationship. I will maintain that relationship at all costs. So let's look at the verse again. Abide in me. I want you to be, you, be united with Christ, with every fiber of your being, your mind, your will, your volition, the choices that I make. My I have the mind of Christ. It's not what I think should happen or what I think seems reasonable. It's what Christ says should happen. And I'm, I have this relationship with him, and I'm going to not let anything grieve the Holy Spirit or anything sever that relationship because I'm going to remain steadfast and unwavering. If I have that relationship with Christ, Christ has that relationship with me. I abide in Him. And He has that same nature, same union with me, with the Holy Spirit inside of me, the new man. Abide in me and I in you. Second part of this verse. As a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it remains united totally steadfast in that relationship, connected to the vine, not letting anything sever the two. Neither can you bear fruit unless you remain in that exact same relationship with me. That's our job. That's the Christian life in a nutshell. We think that it has to do with this these choices that we make and his decisions that we make and, and all that. But those decisions will be communicated to us in crystal clarity if we stay connected to him. The branch must abide in the vine. If it doesn't, the branch cannot bear fruit. You must remain connected to Christ, more so than just you know, Sunday morning and a little devotion now and then. This is abiding. This is a, a total union of your mind, will, and, and, and choices. The branch must divide into vine. If it doesn't, it cannot bear fruit, which is the only reason the branch exists. You catch that? The only reason you and I exist is to bear fruit. The branch must remain connected, steadfast, and unwavering in the vine in Christ united, totally focused, and dependent in heart, mind, and will in order to bear fruit. Well, is that a new teaching? No. It's what Jesus has been saying from day one. In Matthew chapter 6, for example, let's hit us where all all us as men live, providing for our families, making money. It's what we do in our culture. Matthew chapter 6, Jesus is saying, quit worrying about making money. Quit worrying about where you're going to live, what you're going to wear, what you're going to eat, do all that kind of stuff. Look how I take care of everything else out there. Your job is not to fret about that. Your job is to remain in me. You're to seek first this relationship with me. Seek first my kingdom. Seek first my relationship, and I will provide everything that you need. Now, we've read that verse forever, and it's, yeah, okay, but it doesn't really work that way in real life. It does to be a vine, I mean to be a branch, and to bear its fruit. There's no other way in Scripture that we can limp along in the kind of spiritual relationships we all have. But the fact is, if I'm satisfied with that, then I'll keep doing the things I always do. But if I'm dissatisfied with being anything less than just totally bowed down with spiritual fruit, this teaching will have no effect. And once you grab hold of the importance of fruit, it, again, it changes everything. So if I asked you, what kind of relationship that you have with Christ? Are you abiding in Him, resting in Him, trusting Him for everything? Or are we only trusting Him with the stuff that we can't do ourselves. The stuff that we want to do ourselves, we trust us and ask Him to bless it, and we want Him to bless it on our timetable, even though our timetable may be different than His. I'm not willing to wait. I've shared this with you so many times over the years. My biggest kink in my spiritual armor is waiting. I told you this. I would rather do something wrong today because I'm doing something than wait and do something right tomorrow. Satan knows that. The Lord knows that. And when I have a decision to make or something needs to be done... I can't remember the last time he did it on my timetable. He wants me to wait and trust him. Sometimes I do. Sometimes I don't and bear the consequences. But in order to be what he needs us to be, especially as we see the situation our world is going through, we have to have that faith prepper mentality that I want everything Christ has for me. So I want to close by just letting you... Look at a couple other places in Scripture where this word abide is used, and I want you to see the depth of what the meaning is. Just doesn't mean to live dwell or make your home. It's a little bit little deeper than that. It, 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 let me just let the word speak here and then we'll close. Matthew 26, 38. Then he said to them, My soul is exceedingly sorrowful, even unto death. Do you remember the story? He's going into the garden to pray. He's getting ready to, to have a conversation with his father, knowing that in just a few hours, the father was going to pour the wrath out of the entire world, my sin and your sin, on his son. And he didn't want to be alone. Stay here and watch with me. Abide and watch with me. I mean, the word means more than just live or dwell. I mean, Jesus is saying, I need you to stay with me. I need Comfort from you I, I need I need to be I need you to be here in the, the proximity of, of where I am stay here don't leave don't c- disconnect from the vine stay here Matthew 6, 26. Luke 8 and when he stepped out on land there met him a certain man from a city who had demons for a long time remember the story the man of the Gadarenes. he wore no clothes. And he did not live in a house, but in the tombs. He made his abode, his home, where he lived, abide here. I mean, think about that. Uh, I don't know what your family life is like at home. If you have a stressful relationship with your spouse, or if your kids are, are uncontrollable, or whatever, um, you know, home is not a good place. My relationship with my wife, I mean, I'd rather be home than any place else. I mean, it doesn't matter what the world does out there. It's like when you come home, worked really hard at work, boss yelled at you, lost the contract, maybe I get fired. You walk inside, you open the door and you walk into your home. Ha, ah, it's safe. It's comforting. It's, it's where the people are that I love and love me. Same word for abide. Note the relationship. John one thirty two. John the Baptist. John bore witness saying, I saw the spirit descending from heaven like a dove, and he remained on him. So to abide doesn't mean to come and go. It's not something transitory. Yeah, I'm abiding in Christ, now I'm not. I'm resting in Christ and now I'm not. Think how ridiculous that is if we're a branch in a vine. I'm connected to the vine uh, now I don't know what to do. They're going to gather me in a pile and burn me because I'm not worth anything anymore. I'm not producing the function God created for me. The word means to remain. I'm, I'm in the vine, and I'm staying in the vine, and I'm not going anywhere than the vine. And no one, Jesus says, can snatch them out of my Father's hand or my hand. Remember? Word abide. John 6.37, same word. Do not labor for food which perishes, then so what are we supposed to labor for? Food which endures. Now it's it's not just remaining, but now it's remaining for a long time. And the word endures mean, it, it means it's going to remain steadfast, like he said in John 15. It's even through trials and tribulations, even through wind, even through wild beasts, even through a, a, a tornado that can come through the vineyard, mime's still connected, and the fruit's still connected. Because I'm abiding, is what the word means. Not just remaining, but now endures to everlasting life, which the Son of Man will give you, because God the Father has set his seal on him. John 14, 25. These things I have spoken to you while I abide with you, or while I am present with you. I'm being present. I, it's not that I was present or I will be present. Right now, at this moment, I am with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. I will stay close to you. We are inseparable because I abide in you and you abide in me. Do you see the depth of this relationship just on how these words are used? Acts chapter 20, verse 5. These men going ahead waited for us at Troas. Waited. So, it's not only just resting and abiding and remaining and enduring, but it's it's we're here, we're waiting. There's there's an expectation. We're in this house and we're waiting and we're abiding there because we're waiting for you. We find in Acts 20, 23, the verse is await. I mean it, it explains it even better. Except that the Holy Spirit testifies, this of course is Paul's farewell message to the elders at Ephesus. He said that the Holy Spirit testifies in every city, saying to chains and tribulation, abide me. They await me, but it's the exact same word. Acts 28.30, the word dwelt is used. Then Paul dwelt two whole years in his own rented house and received all who came to him. Same word. Romans 9.11, watch this one. This is talking about election and talking about Israel. This is is an amazing chapter. Look what he says here. For the children not yet being born, nor having done any good or evil, that the purpose according to election might stand. Same word translated abide. Not of works, but of him who boasts. So abide means I'm standing, I'm enduring, I'm remaining, as he said in John 15. I'm 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 there. I'm not going anywhere. I'm inseparable, united in heart and mind and will in an enduring relationship, unwavering in that relationship. You want to bear his fruit. You want to have the kind of relationship that the Lord talks about here. This is how it's done. And we can't do it until we understand the depth of the word. There's just a couple more. 2 Timothy 3.14 not only am I standing firm, but I'm also continuing. Same word. It's not here today and gone tomorrow. It's not, I'll be spiritual today and not spiritual tomorrow. I'll be really sold out to you, Jesus, until it comes to this relationship over here or this sin over here. And then I'll just ask for forgiveness. That doesn't work that way. You're resting and abiding in him. You must continue, same word, in the things which you've learned and have been assured of, knowing from whom you have learned them. There's more. There's tons more. But I just want to give you a glimpse of what the word means. Abide in me. What does that word mean? It means to stay in me. To live in me. These are the ways we just saw that word used. To remain in me. To endure in order to remain in me. To be present with me right now, in the here and now, today, this moment, not yesterday, not tomorrow, but present in me. To wait, wait for me, because you don't want to go anywhere without me, because without me, you can do nothing. To dwell in me, to take a stand with me, to continue with me. Remember? Now, the earlier definition says, to be and remain united with Jesus one with him in heart, mind, and will, and to remain steadfast, unwavering in that relationship. Now what I'm trying to share with you is this is the recipe. This is the bullet point steps that are necessary for you and I to have that kind of relationship. Look what it says here. Let me ask you these questions first. And what I just shared with you describe your relationship with Christ. And most of you would probably say what I would. Uh, sometimes yes, sometimes no. Yeah, you know, and the high points, yes, but a lot of my relationship, no. Why? What about the times you disconnect from the vine? What about the times you, I don't want to bear that much fruit. What about the times you say, well, this is what I want to do, and that's just the way it is. I mean, it's, it's stark disobedience, but in our culture, we don't care. I mean, yes, we haven't had Ananias and Sapphira get dragged out and, and buried behind a barn because of their sin, so therefore we think God is just really happy with us and we want to have our best life now. And The question is, are you focused on Him and Him alone? Or, and again, this is most men are like this, or is He just one of a list of things that are important in our life? Hey, what are the most important things in your life? Oh, uh, let me see. Uh, let me see, God... Uh, my family, my work, um, and, and you know, my hobby, my health, whatever it is. We've got these list of things, and we just have a tendency of putting God number one because somebody asked us about it. Because Saturday maybe it's not number one, or Tuesday it's not number one, and it kind of fluctuates. It's not the way it works. God is not one of a list of priorities in our life. He is the only priority. We stay connected to Him. Apart from him, we can bear no fruit, and the only reason why he created us was to simply bear fruit. So, understanding that definition, let's read these passages again. I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. Why would he do that? Because you're useless from a, from a vineyard standpoint you're you're taking nutrients that could be used to bear fruit and just going off on your own building your own little kingdom and your own wood and and more foliage but but no fruit and so a vine dresser says i can't have that everything that comes from the vine has to produce fruit so i will take those branches away and every branch that does bear fruit look what i'm doing lord look at the fruit that i'm bearing are you happy with this no I'm going to prune you back. I'm going to cut more branches away and more dead wood away. And it's a painful experience where he begins taking things out of our life, even if we're bearing fruit for the sole purpose of us bearing more fruit. That's what he says. Wine dresser is not satisfied with fruit. He wants more fruit. Because that's what we were created to do. You're already clean because of the words which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you, as a branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you. Get it out of your mind that you can do good works to satisfy me. The fruit that satisfies the vine dresser and the Father is fruit that the vine produces, unless you abide in me. Again, I am the vine, you are the branches. That's all we are, branches. We're blessed enough to be able to have a function in Christ. He who abides in me and I in him bears much fruit. Not just more fruit, now much fruit. Don't think we can do it ourselves because without me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, here's the scary part. Well, I understand that, Lord, but I'm really satisfied with my spiritual life the way it is. I'm really satisfied just bearing a few little things that I do. You know, I don't want to abide in you anymore. There's some questions that I can't answer. There's there's problems out there. I, I have my... my self-identity tied up in what other people say about me rather than what you say about me. I'm not going to abide in the vine anymore. He says he is cast out as a branch and withered and they come and gather them and throw them into the fire and they are burned. We'll talk about that in the weeks to come. But if the positive, if you abide in me and my words which are life abide in you, If you have this kind of unwavering relationship with me, and my words have this unwavering relationship with you, that I, as Christ, possess your mind, that you've laid yourself down as a living sacrifice, holy and acceptable unto me, that it's not your thoughts and your words and your mind, but it's the mind of Christ, you will ask whatever you desire, and it will be done for you. Because your desire will be exactly the same desire as the vine. And by this kind of relationship, doesn't say any other, but this kind of relationship, according to John 15, my Father is glorified. If what? If you bear much fruit. Bear much fruit, and then you prove that you're a believer in Christ. If you bear much fruit. Because when people who are lost want to know what a life of Christ is like, they should look at your life and my life. And not that that we're just pretty vines or pretty branches, but the fruit that we bear. And they should be able to look at us and realize that the way we are and the way we act and the way we're able to forgive and the way we're able to trust and the way we're able to to even praise the Lord even when terrible things happen to us is simply because of what the vine has done for us and the fruit we're able to bear. Then it's not my fruit, it's his fruit. By this, my Father is glorified that you bear much fruit and be my disciples. So the choice is mine, and the choice is yours. We know what the word abide means, and we know what happens when we abide, and we know what doesn't happen when we abide. It's really up to us. How do we want to spend the years we have left on this earth, especially when we're entering into a a time right now in our nation where the kind of faith most of the church has right now ain't going to cut it. It's not going to cut it. We're going to have to be more like Christ. And all we have to do, and I know it sounds easy, it's not. It's it's difficult, but it's simple. The simple aspect of it is, is all I have to do to it is abide. And here's what I've learned by experience and what the, what the word says that if I go an inch, he goes a mile. Do you realize that? If a vine dresser wants to graft a branch into a vine, what a vine dresser does is he cuts a little notch into the vine and he takes the branch and he places it there and he wraps it really tight. And what happens, it's the vine that reaches out with the sap and reaches out with its nutrients, and it's the vine that comes out and holds on to the branch. It's not the branch who has nothing going into it, and every second that goes by, every nutrient the branch had stored is being used up and will wither on its own. It's not the branch that keeps that relationship secured. It's the vine that does the work on the inside, but it's secured by the Father in His tape. Our job is to rest in Him, to trust Him, and to let Him do all the rest. Amen? Let me pray.